Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. From the heart of the Carolinas, a voice in the wilderness, a thought-provoking broadcast in a world of ignorant nonsense. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? Yes, I guess you're right. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. And good morning. Welcome to the broadcast. Good to be back with you. I want to begin in the upstate this morning because I'm a big believer in solutions. Sadly, we've had a number of shootings that have occurred, mass shootings. And the most terrific of these have occurred at schools. One of the questions I've raised along the way repeatedly, what are we actually doing to keep children safe? You know, we can talk all kinds of things about guns and But what sort of protection is really in place at the schools to protect children? Because in many cases, nothing has been done. Nothing. And so we've basically left children at the mercy of evil. With the idea that somehow we're going to stop evil at the source. As you know, human hearts are unpredictable. We don't know. And this is the position I've certainly taken here. You just do not know what is in the heart of human beings. What they're, Well, we do know what's in the heart of some human beings. We know what human beings are capable of. So the best thing to do is to prepare. It's to prepare and make places as safe as possible especially for children. So when this happens, I commend these efforts. Like what is happening right now in District 5, Anderson District 5, in the upstate of South Carolina. WYFF reporting on our ongoing concern about gun violence in schools. In District 5, they're installing weapons detection systems at school entrances, Folks, this is a no-brainer. Why not? They gave the example of T.L. Hannah High School. They had locking doors, some safety precautions, but not much else. But starting next week, the Safety and Security Executive Director says, We're committed to doing anything we can to keep a gun from coming on campus. We're going to do it. They installed the systems at two entrances at that school and Westside High Schools. The Evolve Weapons Detection System works better and faster than metal detectors. The focus is on cylindrical objects. That's pretty clever, isn't it? It's not just looking for metal. So something like the barrel of a gun. Obviously certain materials. The good thing about Evolve It's been designed to let a large flow of traffic in without backing students or anyone else up out into the parking lot. See, isn't this one of the frustrating things about these machines is you end up with lines. Well, apparently this allows a flow of people in in a much more efficient way. The system draws a box around the item's location on screen. So the officers can search directly at the source. Boy, that's smart. As you know, this comes with a price. $470,000. But the Anderson District 5 people decided, you know, after three instances of guns on campus, you know, let's do it. So this is what they have done in the process of putting this in place. And the goal is deterrence. Training scheduled for tomorrow. And parents will be able to test it for themselves. 
the school system people saying they're going to have people monitoring students walking through. There would be people to search bags overseeing this entire project. The goal is to, with these increased precautions, to have safer schools for students and staff. So, I commend Anderson District 5 for taking definitive steps toward securing schools. This is something that transcends politics and debates that will go on forever. I think this is definitely a good step and hope that other school systems will follow suit. What do you think about this? Especially those of you, I'd love to hear from some of you in that particular area in Anderson. Tell me what you think. What do you think of these new security measures? Do you feel better about your children going to school? As you know, we've been talking for a number of days now about objects in the skies. This all started with the Chinese balloon. And so there are ongoing concerns about what is going on in our skies the objects that have been shot out of the skies. What is it? What is it that's going on lately? And what should we do about it? Well, after a lot of criticism in recent days, we told you about the confusing briefing that took place where we had members of Congress senators basically who got these briefings security briefings and they came out confused really coming out with many more questions than answers and a lot of pressure has been directed toward the white house because the white house specifically joe biden yet to say anything to provide any concrete message that provides any measure of assurance to the American people. Now we've learned NBC News reporting President Joe Biden is planning to deliver his most extended public remarks yet, and they could come as early as today about those unidentified objects the U.S. military has been shooting down. The president's going to explain how he's tasked his administration with setting parameters about how to deal with balloons and other aerial objects spotted in the future. There's no definitive word on when this will take place. By the way, the president is having a physical exam that could take several hours today. So federal investigators are analyzing the wreckage, specifically the one off the coast of South Carolina, and many questions still unanswered. Not much out of the White House. So White House officials have been privately discussing whether he should deliver an address about the military shooting down a Chinese spy balloon and three other objects that have still not been identified. So there's been growing pressure for him to speak out. So we've got these conspiracy theories sprouting up. Corrine Jean-Pierre, you heard her yesterday saying these are not extraterrestrials. So what will be the message from the White House and Joe Biden. And how is his health, by the way? Love to get your thoughts as we continue our Thursday broadcast. Stay with us. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program. If you'd like to join the conversation, the GS Plumbing Talk Line, 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. And on the text line, weapon detection devices at schools only in America. This country has more guns than the rest of the world combined, more violence than the rest of the world combined. Why? Because of 
crooked politicians, crooked Supreme Court, stupid brainwashed people. There's no hope for this country. Wow. One perspective on this. <laughs> on the president in regard to these objects in the skies or above. Oh, referring to the doctors and their exam of Joe Biden. Hope while he's in there, they pull his head out of you know where and put it back where it belongs. <laughs> My gosh, you guys are terrible. Biden physical results. Good news. Body of a 60 year old. Bad news. Mind of a hundred year old. Oh boy. Also on the subject of protecting kids, Vince, it's about time we treat our kids like precious gems, just like the ones in museums. Yes, they need to be treated as such. Also on security, gotta love capitalist America. Sure, we can keep you safe, but it's going to cost you. Yeah. And something we mentioned on this program, I heard about this yesterday evening, Tucker Carlson paying a visit to Asbury University. This person asking if I've seen his story on the eight-day nonstop worship and prayer revival in Kentucky. I have certainly heard about it. People from foreign countries coming in. This person says we teared up. It is still going on. All very interesting. We'll continue to watch and uh, possibly visit very soon to check it out. Just a sampling of some of the items on the text line this morning. On the subject of these objects in the sky, the very first one shot down a balloon we know came from China. So one of the questions in a lot of minds, what is the Chinese Communist government up to? What are their plans? What are their intentions? Well, if you're in the United Kingdom, if you're in the government in United Kingdom, you are preparing for the possibility of an invasion of Taiwan. I'll just repeat something I've said to you before because I do believe the next couple of years are going to be very dangerous. I think this is an opportunity. This is a time period with Joe Biden in office at least until January of 2025. This is an opportunity for rogues around the world, rogue governments, to pretty much act with impunity, with little to no fear of any consequences from the United States of America. I'm very concerned that if you are the Chinese Communist government, you are probably seeing this as an opportunity to strike. Do it before 2025 and the possibility of a change of president. It's kind of the reverse <laughs> Um, well, I wouldn't say the reverse, but it's with the mindset of understanding now well, well, well in advance what you might want to do is something that you should do now. I'm thinking back to one of our quiz questions, I think it was yesterday, referring to the taking of hostages, Americans by Iran back in 1979. You know, and one of the things that was so significant about this is the Iranians were smart enough to know that this was probably something they wanted to bring to an end before Ronald Reagan became president. They did not want to deal with Ronald Reagan. So I don't think it's a coincidence at all that on the day he was sworn in as president, our former hostage Americans were on their way back to the United States. The scary thing is, we've got a huge window of time, nearly two years, 
nearly two years for our enemies to act with impunity with little to no fear of consequence. The UK government, according to Breitbart, is currently rehearsing an economic response to a Chinese invasion of Taiwan. Government officials in Britain reportedly wargaming the country's economic response to a Chinese invasion of Taiwan. The fears over the possibility of such an invasion have dramatically increased over the last few years with both the war in Ukraine and the recent Chinese spy balloon scandal, prompting some officials in the West to become more concerned about possible aggressive military action on the part of the Chinese Communist Party. This is certainly wise of them to anticipate. According to the report, officials in Whitehall have now begun considering the UK's economic strategy should war break out, with the country now said to be wargaming multiple scenarios involving an aggressive war by China against Taiwan. A major concern given the dependence of the West on so many manufactured items made in Taiwan. One source has reportedly admitted to The Guardian such an invasion would represent a vastly different challenge than the war in Ukraine. With the fact the world's supply of electronics and microchips are so intimately tied up with the two nations posing certain challenges for Westminster. It's no secret the supply chain problems would be greater. But just because it's complicated, that doesn't mean it's impossible. The UK would have to think in a different way compared to its response to the conflict in Ukraine. Officials are also said to have stressed the preparations were purely precautionary, of course. And a potential invasion of Taiwan was just one of many so-called black swan events the UK government makes preparations for. Now, this claim is not likely to be that assuring to many members of the general public, with tensions between the West and China growing substantially over the last number of weeks amid claims the communist nation has been deploying spy balloons over North America. Some officials are also worried about how the West's involvement in the Ukrainian conflict could shape relations with China. One think tank warning the failure on the part of many pro-Ukrainian nations to replace weapons it sends to the Eastern European country end up emboldening the president of China's regime. Well, at least these folks are thinking ahead. You can only hope the same thing is happening right here in the United States of America. You think they're thinking ahead? I have to tell you, I have my doubts. Stay with us. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. If you'd like to join the conversation, call Vince on the GS Plumbing Talk Line at 800-928-1110. That's 800-928-1110. Or text the Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line at 71307. Now, back to Vince. Back on the broadcast, one of the things that we talk about here is reality. Big picture issues and concerns and we try not to get bogged down in nonsense stupidity downright foolishness and i think the same is the case as we approach our presidential campaign leading into 2024 one of the things i want to hear i don't know about you i want to hear what's going to happen over the next four years which would be starting in 2025. What kind of leadership would a president provide that's going to be different than what we've seen thus far? Are we going to continue to stack up debt with no end in sight? Are we going to continue to watch government grow with impunity rather than reductions in the size and the scope of government? These are questions I want answered. I mean, I'm just going to be very blunt. I have 
very little tolerance for nonsense, for stupidity, for simple mudslinging and childishness. Folks, it's time to get the heck out of the sandbox. And it's time for true leaders to stand up and provide some genuine, honest solutions. Can I just tell you, I mean, I'm just being honest here. I'm a little bit skeptical. And here's what I'm skeptical about. I'm skeptical that America is ready for genuine leadership. I'm not sure we... Uh, let me put it this way. I think a lot of people know what they want, but I don't think most people in this country understand what they need. And I'm saying this includes Republicans. I think we have been swept into the entertainment culture, and many of us are looking for entertainment rather than solutions. It might be entertaining to watch fights between people over social media. But at the end of the day, there's no solution there. There's nothing that's really accomplished other than making people feel good about their side. Let me tell you about something serious that's going on. Breitbart reporting that our our debt, okay, this is not deficits. This is our this is our debt we're talking about. Our debt is projected to rise by $22 trillion over the next 10 years. I want you to think about that. This puts us north of $40 trillion in just 10 years. This is not opinion. This is from the Congressional Budget Office. And I would dare say, (laughs) knowing that we're talking about bureaucrats here, this is probably a conservative estimate. The nonpartisan office updated its budget and economic outlook for the decade ahead, projecting the federal deficit will average around $2 trillion each year for the next 10 years. So by 2033, the total debt of the federal government held by the public will rise by $22.1 trillion from 24.3 last year. Are you ready for this figure? This is staggering. Up to $46.4 trillion. So that's the number we may be staring at by 2033 if we continue on the path we're on now. $46.4 trillion. The deficit amounts to 5.3% of gross domestic product. In 2023, swells to 6.1%. In 24 and 25, then declines in the two years that follow. After 27, deficits increase again, reaching 6.9% of GDP in 2033. A level exceeded only five times since 1946. Do you get the picture there? Wartime? Philip Swagel, the CBO director says this debt trajectory is unsustainable. No kidding. The CBO can't tell Congress what to do, but at some point something has to give, whether it's on spending or revenue. In CBO's projections, we're embarking on a new era of big government spending and taxes. Spending and revenues, measured as a percentage of GDP, equal or exceed their 50-year averages through 2033. Spending increases from 23.7% of GDP this year, a high level by historical standards, 24.9 in 2033. What's driving this? Well, rising interest costs and greater spending on programs that provide benefits to elderly people. And what's happening with our elderly population, ladies and gentlemen? It's growing, right? So the question is, how are we going to pay for this? And more importantly, not how are we going to pay for it, how are we going to stop this? Because I've not heard a single conversation about that. So I just park this little thought into your head for right now. Because we do have, we do now have, 
a presidential campaign that's underway. And the question is, are we going to deal with serious subjects? And I know there's a, a need for wisdom here. Because, frankly, and this is why I said I'm not sure the American people are ready for what America needs. By the way, I thank the texture who corrected my figure. Our debt's already at around $31 trillion. This is way out of hand, folks. You know that. But it's time to start having these discussions. This is where I have to commend somebody like Rick Scott... You know, perhaps his communication has been a little clumsy in regard to Social Security funding, some other things, and entitlements. If I remember his idea correctly, what he suggested is we need to sunset every spending commitment the federal government makes and have to renew it every five years. That's not a bad idea, folks. It's not a bad idea at all. But you know what's going to happen. The panic porn will set in, and the politicians who are determined to get reelected over and over again, they're going to scare people. This person wants to take this or that away from you. What this all comes down to at the end of the day for all of us, just pure selfishness. That's what it is. Pure selfishness. We'll see if we're ready for real medicine to address our issues. Stay with us. Back on the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Getting your thoughts on what we've discussed thus far. Talking about our debt. Vince, I think you probably hit the low end of it. I can see our debt going up by over $4 trillion a year by the time I hit 50 Probably would be $60 trillion in the hole. God forbid, Jeff. Let's stop funding to almost every country on the planet. Literally a communist goal that merits looking into from that standpoint. Provide aid to all nations regardless of communist domination. <laughs> this person is saying Social Security is not an entitlement. Don't put them together. Well, it's been turned into one. I thought McCarthy said they were going to push the penny plan. Well, let's see. This texture agreeing, hell no, we're not ready for real leadership in this country, Vince. Look at the clowns we continue to put in office. Yeah. Until the real American people take our government back, it will continue to get recklessly bigger. Yeah. This person saying might be on not on your list of topics. Pray for the people of East Palestine, Ohio. The government and EPA doing their best to forget them. They have no political use to the administration. The government had to be shamed to even acknowledge this very real environmental disaster happened. Yeah. And we have this text to that knucklehead who thinks there is no hope for America. I will help you pack up your U-Haul. <laughs> the question is to go where? Where would you help that person to go? Just curious. Still to come, we're going to talk about some racial issues that are in the news. First, let's go out to a call from Randall. Good morning. Welcome, sir. Good morning, Vince. Yes, sir. Take it away. Oh, Vince? Uh, do you hear us? Okay, that's the I, question. I, I, I can barely hear you. Okay. Uh, what's the point you want to make? Hey, Vince. We're having trouble with Randall. Uh, I would just suggest you try calling back, and we can have that conversation perhaps on the other side in the next hour. You know, it's pretty interesting to see how people are very selective in their outrage towards certain people, like the Democrat Party. Yeah, I mean, you're going to hear it's an interesting clip we're going to share. Probably won't get to this before the break, 
but we certainly will after. Certain people can get away with bloody murder when it comes to language. Now, I'm not one of those people who is triggered by much anyway. But this was an interesting thing that occurred on Wednesday when President Joe Biden was delivering a speech about the economy. I want you to see if you hear anything interesting when Joe Biden makes a reference to Wes Moore, who happens to be Maryland's first black governor. Listen up. Um, for some reason, perhaps we don't have that. Uh, yes, that you is got the a one. hell of a new governor in Westmore, I tell you. He's the real deal, and the boy looks like he can still play. <laughs> he got some guns on him. <laughs> Do you notice something there? Washington Times reports on this. President Biden using the term boy while referring to Wes Moore. Did you notice that? Speaking in Maryland, the president gave a shout to the governor, recalling Mr. Moore's days playing wide receiver on Johns Hopkins University's football team. <laughs> using the word boy to describe a black man is often viewed as a racial slur. That's because historically racist whites used the term to suggest blacks weren't on equal footing with them, both before and after slavery. Neither the White House nor a spokesman for Tim for Mr. Moore responded to requests for comment from the Washington Times. I wonder what the reason is for this. No Challenges, questions, outrage. <laughs> Pretty interesting, isn't it? He's the real deal, and the boy looks like he can still play. Is this unfair? By the way, I'm just asking this question. Because if this were a Republican, it might have been treated differently. In fact, 2008, Representative Jeff Davis... Kentucky Republican, Republican had to apologize for using the word boy to describe presidential candidate Barack Obama at a fundraiser. I'm going to tell you something. That boy's finger does not need to be on the button. That's what he said at the time. In a written apology he hand-delivered to the future president, Mr. Davis said his poor choice of words was regrettable. I offer my sincere apology to you and ask for your forgiveness. Since Mr. Moore took office earlier this year, the president has been publicly supportive of his fellow Democrats. They campaigned together last year, appeared at an event to raise some funds. So Jeff Davis apologized. Is there an apology needed from Mr. President? What do you think? Stay with us. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. From the heart of the Carolinas, aiming the cannon of truth at strongholds of stupidity. Who, who are black people supposed to call? Ghostbusters? So we need to stop that beef on or impoverish the cops crap. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Here we are, hour number two of our broadcast. You heard the uh, last part of the broadcast where we shared... A little bit of audio from the president and a little unfortunate reference there. You know, and again, I wonder, is there going to be anybody out there saying we need an apology here? Just curious about that. This is <laughs> one of the texts we receive here. This guy's saying, Vince, are you talking about the same guy who, when he was a presidential candidate, said the people who don't vote for him are not black? That guy? Has he faced any criticism or backlash for those outlandish comments? Further proof, if you have the D beside your name, you're a royalty and cannot be touched. That is from Jeff. Yeah, this is how it works. It's very, the outrage is very selective, isn't it? Oh my God, I'm so tired of this nitpicking. Can you find some more interesting material? 
That's <laughs> what this texture says. <laughs> oh my goodness. Joe Biden is a cheat. He's a serial plagiarist. Biden is a career criminal and corruptocrat, an incorrigible warmonger. Videos on the internet prove him to be a pedophile. And now today, Joe? <laughs> goodness. Oh my goodness. On the financial issues we touched on, the Great Depression was the medicine needed to get people back to living within their means. We're not willing to do this. And therefore, we'll print money until we finally realize there's nothing there more than faith. Yeah. When people stop accepting our funny money. Until then, keep those printing presses rolling. <laughs> it's kind of crazy, isn't it? Absolutely no end to it from what we are able to see. This person says, we can think, yes, an apology is in order. All we want, it will not happen, this texture said. Yeah, of course not. Do not hold your breath. When are black people going to wake up to this Democrat party? Biden tells us, if we don't vote Democrat, we ain't black. Now this boy comment? But yet he'll continue running to us in 2024, telling us how racist Republicans are and wanting our vote. Yep. Vince, the word apologize, not in the Democrats' vocabulary. But if they do say I'm sorry, it'll be something like, I'm sorry you feel that way. Oh, don't you hate that? Oh, that that's the worst. I'm sorry you feel that way. Oh, I'm so sorry you were offended. Not actually apologizing for what they said. That's how it works. This this texture saying, poor old Joe. That boy just don't realize what he's saying half the time. <laughs> no, he doesn't. You know, it, it reminds me of something back in my days as a news reporter. I remember one of the early stories I did, and this is at, and interestingly enough, my very first TV job, which was at WLEX in Lexington, Kentucky. And we had this former governor who was on the board of, was it UK? I think it was, yeah, I think it was the University of Kentucky. And he made some comments. I, I forgot what they were. I don't even remember specifically what they were. And boy, did it really stir up all kinds of racial strife. People were calling for his resignation, and it, it was pretty ugly. But you know what's really interesting? Um, that was one of my first experiences as a news reporter covering a story like that. And I think I remember getting an interview with him, and I met his son, I think a son or grandson. I think it was his son. Uh, ben Chandler was his name. And I I really enjoyed meeting Ben because I got the sense that uh, in the conversation with him, he was prov providing some perspective. And I think in so many words, if I remember correctly, he was kind of suggesting his dad was getting senile. He was not there to excuse, you know, what his dad was saying. We said, you know, just back during that time when he was growing up, there were just certain things that you said that were okay, thought to be okay anyway, but you certainly don't say those things now. And that encounter, really, to be honest with you, it really humanized this for me. And I, I think it helped to temper some of my, what might have been reactionary instincts to go along with the media mob and to pile on this guy. But again, I also came away thinking, you know, if this guy is that un, uh, unhinged from reality, perhaps losing his grip, he probably should resign just to uh, not even so much because of it's inflammatory, but, you know, he, he needs, you know, and I'm saying the same thing of Joe Biden. I'm just saying. <laughs> this texture. Racism, racism. Beat that dead horse. 
Does everyone know there are over a thousand black slave owners in the country sick of hearing about it? Oh, so this is, oh my gosh, don't get me started on this. So now we're going to defend black, we're going to defend slavery on the grounds that black people were slave owners. Come on. Surely you know better than that. Please tell me you are not that um, ignorant. Can I use that word? I, I think that would be the nicest way to describe it. By the way, a developing story right now. And if we learn more about this during the broadcast, we will certainly bring it to you. A judge has released parts of a Georgia grand jury report on the 2020 election interference by President Donald Trump and his allies. Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney released the report's introduction and conclusion, as well as the section where the grand jury expressed concern that some witnesses may have lied under oath during their testimony. Hmm, that sounds interesting. So parts of this have been released. The panel's recommendations on potential charges is going to remain secret. Now, the judge ordered the release of the report's introduction and conclusion, as well as a section where the grand jury expressed concern some witnesses may have lied under oath during their testimony. In ordering the report's partial release, McBurney said grand jurors did not identify any of those witnesses allowing for that section of the report to be released publicly. The rest of the panel's findings will remain sealed, including what McBurney described as a roster of who should or should not be indicted and for what in relation to the conduct and aftermath of the 2020 general election in Georgia. This is interesting stuff. We're going to talk more about this as I get a closer look at what is in this story. We'll pick it up as we continue right here. All right, we are back on Vince Coakley Radio Program with some breaking news. And here is that breaking news. And we told you in advance this was going to be the day there would be a release of grand jury information the investigation in Georgia about election processes. Now, I'm just going to read a couple of portions of what has been released today and do with it what you like. So this is from the Superior Court of Fulton County in Georgia. And I'm just going to read the portions of this that are relevant to what we're interested in finding out today. So this grand jury was selected May 2nd, 2022, heard evidence first June 1st of 2022, continue to hear evidence received information into December 2022. The grand jury received evidence from or involving 75 witnesses during the course of the investigation, the overwhelming majority of which information was delivered in person under oath. The grand jury also received information in the form of investigator testimony and various forms of digital and physical media. Now, following is the final report of the special purpose grand jury. We set forth for the court our recommendations on indictments and relevant statutes, including the votes by the grand jurors. All right. The grand jury heard extensive testimony on the subjects of alleged election fraud from poll workers, investigators, technical experts, and state of Georgia employees and officials, as well as from persons still claiming that such fraud took place. We find by unanimous vote that no widespread fraud took place in the Georgia 2020 presidential election that could result in overturning that election. Here's the next part of this. A majority of the grand jury believes 
that perjury may have been committed by one or more witnesses testifying before it. The grand jury recommends that the district attorney seek appropriate indictments for such crimes where the evidence is compelling. Hmm. Perjury. So that is the major thing I've extracted here. So two conclusions. One, no widespread fraud in the election. Two, indications that some folks may have committed perjury in their testimony and a recommendation that the DA pursue indictments. Who are they referring to? Hmm. So this is going to be interesting. Very interesting to see what develops from here. What are your thoughts? Do you expect anything will come out of this? Will there be any noteworthy indictments of anyone? Earlier, we talked about Joe Biden and his use of the word boy in reference to the Maryland governor. Let's pick up on the text line here. (laughs) Poor Joe, he can't help it. He was born with an idiot's foot in his mouth. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Come on, Vince, I'm not ignorant. There are plenty of black people in this country, such as yourself, that have overcome all that bad, bad white supremacy that keeps black people down. Uh Uh-huh. This person says, you don't know your history. Black landowners did own slaves. What's the point? I, I, I don't quite understand why this person is continuing to beat this horse. Just curious. Are you not tired of black people being used by politicians like expendable pawns in their political games? Yeah, it's pretty annoying. And you're going to hear a new example in just a moment. It's a real winner, ladies and gentlemen. This person uh, using the word clown show <laughs> to describe. Uh, goodness. All right, folks. Let me introduce you to Emmanuel Jones. Tell you what's happening, interestingly enough, in the state of Georgia. All right. Georgia State Senate voted 32 to 20 along party lines to create a statue on Capitol grounds dedicated to Justice Clarence Thomas, who is a native of the Peach State. In the lead up to the vote, we had one Senator Emanuel Jones, who um, had some very derogatory comments about Justice Clarence Thomas. I wish I could say this is new, but it's not. This is so, so tired, so old. But we'll let you hear it for yourself. This is Emmanuel Jones, of course, one who is objecting to any recognition for Clarence Thomas. Listen up. I know it's very, very sensitive to talk about race in this body. But any time that we have a resolution, legislation proposing to place a statue of Clarence Thomas on this grounds, we cannot avoid that conversation. So I'm not going to avoid it either. In the black community, we have uh, an expression, and I don't want to use this label too deeply here because I'm just trying to tell you what we have in the African-American community. When we talk about a person of color that goes back historically to the days of slavery and that person betraying his own community, we have a term in the black community. That term that we use is called uh, Uncle Tom. And Uncle Tom is a, either a fictional or non-fictional character. I don't really know the origin of Uncle Tom, but it talks about a person who back during the days of slavery sold his soul to the slave masters. That's the story, the fictitious of the story of an Uncle Tom. So when we think about a person in the black community who's accomplished but yet policies seek to subvert, some may even say suppress, the achievements and accomplishments of people of color. 
I couldn't help but to think about that term in expressing my dissatisfaction with this particular legislation. <laughs> Folks, as I said last year, y'all just don't get it. And I don't expect people of non-color to get the sensitivity that we feel about a person of color whose policies and practices and decisions and votes that we've rallied and fought against. All right. So this is such creative thinking. Clarence Thomas is an Uncle Tom. Well, I have some questions to ask of this state senator. My question, who is the real Uncle Tom? And I'll begin that questioning after this break. Stay with us. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Back on the Vince Coakley Radio Program. And we told you about the breaking news out of Georgia. A special grand jury concluded one or more witnesses in the probe into possible election meddling by former President Donald Trump may have lied under oath and recommended a prosecutor pursue criminal indictments in those cases. Criminal indictments. By the way, the grand jury also said it found no significant fraud in Georgia's 2020 presidential election, which, as you know, was won by Joe Biden. Love to get your thoughts on that and by what we shared before the break. The state senator in Georgia who referred to Clarence Thomas as Uncle Tom. It's kind of funny. The one texture here saying, obviously, obviously, this is a man who has not read Uncle Tom's Cabin. That's where this emanates from. So they're using it, and they don't even know where it came from. This texture says, so the senator doesn't accept the person of a black man who's off the ideological plantation. Exactly. That is what's going on here. It's just crazy. Vince, I bet this guy would call you an Uncle Tom, too. (laughs) I'm not going to read the rest of this. Uh, It's a little rough. Oh, boy. Vince, notice how this grand jury report, saying there's no evidence of widespread fraud. Not any fraud. Just not enough, in their opinion, to change the results. Hmm. The perjurers lied about changing votes. Ah, okay. Clarence Thomas, Dr. Ben Carson, Herman Cain, Larry Elder, these men became successful in their lives. But these Democrats still hold the thought that blacks need to stay in the hood, stay poor, and keep voting Democrat. Sad. It's Brian out of Charlotte. Yep, this is how these folks, I would say, think. But it's really non-thinking. Really sad. This is how they are treated. I have some questions. Some very important questions to ask this state senator. Mr. Emanuel Jones. Here are those questions. There's quite a rich irony here. You're part of the party joined at the hip with the Ku Klux Klan. I ask you, mister, who is the real Uncle Tom? Who supports ideas that continue to keep blacks trapped in a mindset of hopeless victimology? Who, sir, is the real Uncle Tom? And rather than attacking real issues that keep black people from success, who instead resorts to attacking successful and independent black folks? Who is the real... Uncle Tom. Just asking. By the way, we need to 
give you a heads up on an issue that's going to be big in 2024. It's always big, but it's it's really about all the Democrat Party has, especially considering the strategy of one Joe Biden, which is to make sure he secures the black vote by starting with South Carolina. They're going to play up this issue of race. I'm a little concerned about what is going to happen with Ron DeSantis. I don't know all the ins and outs of it, of the issue in Florida. I have a general idea. But I'm my sense, just from watching this from here, I'm a little concerned that this is going to be an issue the Democrat Party will exploit. Washington Post has this story. Alarmed by DeSantis, black leaders protest and prepare for 2024. They start talking about the Reverend Loman Oliver, a man who marched for civil rights and racial equity across Florida in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, hoping to build a state he viewed as just and equal for black Americans. On Wednesday, long after the 75-year-old considered his marching days over, Oliver was back in front of Florida State Capitol with hundreds of black leaders to deliver a stark warning about the man he believes is setting that progress back. I want people to know, be careful, because if he's doing it to us, he's going to do it to all other minorities. Oliver's pastor emeritus at a predominantly black church in suburban Orlando, referring to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. We're better than what he represents, and I'm talking about the American people. These black activists and political strategists across the country organizing, protesting, preparing to highlight the danger they say he and his anti-woke movement pose to civil rights and to their push to tackle racism as a systemic issue. Some say they're determined not to repeat what they consider a tepid and belated response to former President Donald Trump's rise in 2016 and argue DeSantis's political strategies even more rooted in racial division than Trump's. Isn't this interesting? So we thought Donald Trump was the devil. This <laughs> These black leaders view Florida's recent rejection of an advanced placement African-American history course as part of a pattern of dismissing their community's concerns and enacting policy that threatens their rights. State officials denounced some of the AP curriculum on issues like reparations and the Black Lives Matter movement, calling it woke indoctrination. I think a lot of people are recognizing Donald Trump, yes, was a danger. But now they recognize the way Ron DeSantis has been governing and the way he was able to win two elections in Florida. It's time to sound the alarms. That's from Nina Smith, a Democratic strategist who is black and was a senior advisor to Stacey Abrams' unsuccessful campaign for governor in Georgia last year. Smith calls DeSantis the evolution of Donald Trump, the focal point of Democrats' concern and opposition for so many years. Conservatives say Democrats are overly focused on race and around the country they've opposed certain diversity programs as discriminatory or sought to curb Discussions of racism they call excessive or bound to one viewpoint. DeSantis allies who are black defended the governor, suggesting opponents are misconstruing his policies. Byron Donalds of Florida, rising star in the GOP. The issue is not his policy. The issue is how the critics choose to politicize policy decisions. He's arguing it's the political left that separates people for their race. A spokesman for DeSantis's office, Brian Griffin, noted Florida mandates the teaching of African-American history and said the governor's expanded those requirements, also saying DeSantis has prioritized funding for Florida's historically black colleges and universities and pointed to DeSantis's objections to the AP history course. Now, who would say that an important part of black history is queer theory? Yep. You know and I know this is not about black history. This is about propaganda. And good for DeSantis standing up on this issue. Stay with us.
Over on the text line, responses to the grand jury basically recommending indictments for people who may have participated in perjury. This texter says, Vince, that grand jury should have watched 2,000 mules. By the way, the other conclusion, no widespread fraud, nothing to the extent that would have changed the outcome of the election. Vince, where's the criminal indictments for those two women in video pulling boxes of ballots out in Fulton County? Feeding them through numerous times after they sent everyone home. Vince, there's tons of evidence of fraud. Just no proof it favored Biden. I believe it did favor Biden. That texture says... Vince, I think there's compelling evidence of voter fraud in Georgia, Arizona, and other states. They're afraid of the upheaval that would happen if the truth was told. Mm-hmm. And this texter, Donald Trump said we should bring back the firing squad and lynching and putting on national TV. Come on, lynching? Really? I noticed you haven't mentioned that. I'm not going to mention every harebrained, moronic thing somebody talks about. I just don't do that. It's not what we do here. Now, if you are looking for clown fare, you can probably find that somewhere else. Just saying. (laughs) Any case, Christopher, let's take a look at the day in history. How are you doing today? Doing well, Vince. Hope you are. Not bad at all. 1923. This archaeologist, his name is Howard Carter, he uh, had a much more successful incident here opening up this person's tomb as opposed to Geraldo. I think you can figure out who we're referring to. Was it King Tut's tomb? You are absolutely right. Those the archaeologist. Are, I only know Al Capone and King Tut. Those are only tombs. <laughs> yeah. The uh, archaeologist Howard Carter opened King Tut's tomb back in 1923. So, 1937 was a big deal in the, uh, I guess you can say, uh, I don't know what industry you would call this, but DuPont did something really significant. They patented nylon thread, which replaced silk in many products. That was a big turn I of guess events. I the petrochemical industry, maybe? Maybe That'd that, right. yes, very much so. That's that why I think of DuPont. Yeah. yeah. 1952, the FBI arrested 10 members of this racist organization, In North Carolina, the most racist organization in the United States. What is that group called? Uh, Smash Mouth? No. Oh, my goodness. What am I going to do with you? Uh, The Ku Klux Klan, I assume. You're absolutely correct. 1959, this guy sworn in as Cuba's leader, and he was a thorn in the side of this country for many years before he kicked the bucket. Who is that Cuban leader? Uh, Fidel Castro. Fidel, absolutely correct. 1965, the year of my birth. Four people held in a plot to bomb the Statue of Liberty, the Washington Monument, and the Liberty Bell. Pretty crazy plot. 1968, the first time that we had three digits to make an emergency call. What are those numbers, Christopher? It's 911. Did we just call the operator before that? Nine. Yes. Do you remember those days? You know, operator, get me the police. Operator, I need an ambulance. Operator, operator, operator. It was probably worth designating a phone number for. (laughs) Yeah. Probably a good idea. Annoying. You know, and, and now you consider there's no need for operators anymore. It hasn't been for many years. In 1984, Bill Johnson, the first American to win... The Olympic gold in skiing. And we also, on this day, uh, I have to mention one name to you to get your quick reaction, Chris, because we're running out of time. Raquel Welch. Uh, It's the first thing that comes to your mind, Chris. uh, Well, the FCC comes to mind when you mention Raquel Welch. (laughs) I I know that there are guidelines we're supposed to follow, but Raquel Welch was a handsome woman. I'll, I'll say that. Handsome woman. Okay, that's how you characterize her. Okay. I I know a lot of people in my, uh, certainly time I was growing up, she was uh, obsession material. Uh, Legendary. 
Golden Globe winning actress and bombshell. She passed away at the age of 82. Can you believe that? 82 years old. I thought she was older, but she always seemed very down to earth for someone who was yes. that beautiful. Very yes. you know, um, approachable and, and funny. You know, she was Very she much was cool. so. This is the reason why that she had so many loyal fans over the years. First earned fame, 1966, the film Fantastic Voyage. Uh-huh. Her role in that sci-fi film that landed her a lucrative contract with 20th Century Fox, leading to her role in One Million Years B.C., released the same year, saying in 2017 she almost died shooting the British fantasy film had just three lines the entire movie. Her image as Lona in a prehistoric doeskin bikini for the film's poster. That's what put her in the spotlight. And that will be forever immortalized. Raquel Welch. It's all the time we have, folks. Have yourselves a great day, and God bless you. Adios. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program.